Lord, this morning we want to thank you that you have made a way for us through your Son, Jesus. And you have given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. You have also given us the Holy Spirit that we might know the things of God and the ways of God. As we find ourselves upon this earth, we pray that we will listen to what the Holy Spirit has to say concerning Jesus and listen to Jesus concerning the Father. That we might know you and that we might walk with you whilst we are upon this earth in the way that you have purposed that we should. That we might not be soon shaken or disturbed or oppressed in any way. Though these things come our way, yet we know that you will take care of them. This morning let your word fall upon good ground, that it may prosper it by your hand in Jesus' name. Amen. There is a period of time that I would like to call the in-between period. It is a very, very trying and difficult period in anyone's life. No matter who you are, you will go through this period called, which I call the in-between period. So if you have your Bibles with you, come to the book of Genesis chapter 8. And we're going to look at one verse, Genesis chapter 8. And verse 22. This is just after the flood, during Noah's time. And God was making a statement and promise, if you like, in verse 22. While the earth remaineth seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. So we want to focus this morning on the seed time and harvest. Now, traditionally in preaching circles, seed time and harvest have been spoken about concerning prosperity or God's wealth toward us. But as I was meditating upon this verse, the Lord spoke about the in-between period between seed time and harvest. So there is an in-between between when you sow a seed and when the tree actually produces the fruit. It is not a time that you and I are going to particularly enjoy unless you and I understand what seed is and seed time is and what harvest is and how the God of both the seed and the harvest is the one who controls the in-between period. Now, none of us are going to escape trials and tribulations, offenses, difficulties, uh, persecutions that come our way during this period. None of us. 
If it is not happening in our family, it's happening out there on the streets, in the country, in, even inside the church. And so you and I must understand where we stand in relationship to this particular period that we are going to go through and understand how to live in this period. I consider this period to be more important than sowing or reaping a harvest. Reason being, because after you sow the seed, it might not make it to the harvest. Unless you understand the in-between period. And this comes, this understanding comes from maturity in Christ Jesus. It does not come when you are a baby in Christ Jesus. No matter how long you've been a Christian, if you remain a baby, you will not understand the in-between period. And you will expect God to do something for you that is not going to happen because there is a principle, there is a law operating. And so many, many, many people, Christians included, suffer. And I say needlessly. So the seed, or the seed time, is prophetic because that's when God prophesies over your life. And he puts in a seed. Hallelujah. I mean, be grateful to God that he considers you a soil worthy of his seed. With the seed being Jesus, the word of God. So at some point in your life, he comes along and intervenes in this God, almost God forsaken life. And says, listen, today is the day of salvation. Don't harden your heart. Receive me as your Lord and Savior. And you shall be saved. That's the seed. It may be prophetic. It may not be prophetic. But that is something you've got to understand and decide whether it is or it isn't. Genesis to Revelation is prophetic. So how you discover the prophetic side of your relationship with God depends on you. In the case of Joseph in the Bible in the Old Testament... He was given two dreams. That was the seed. I'm going to raise you up and you're going to be a big, big guy. And Joseph didn't know that between the seed time and the harvest, he was going to go through 17 years of incredible torture, a horrendous journey where he was nearly murdered by his brothers. He was falsely accused, thrown into prison, and suffered the indignation of being treated in a very, very bad way. It would seem as though God had abandoned him. But God had not. It was the in-between period in which Joseph was going to understand who God is. Now many of us cannot discover this because we run away from the in-between period. We even blame God for the in-between period. For the trials and the tribulations and the difficulties that come our way, the offenses, and we say, why? When I am putting my best foot forward, when I have not gone against your commandments, 
when i have accepted something that most of the world doesn't accept which is to worship you the invisible god why am i facing these problems now it could be something that happened 20 years ago something that happened 10 years ago whenever and continues to happen on a regular basis over many years and you still are in you know quandary trying to understand what this is about but if you go back to the origins of the seed time and the seed that was put into your spirit then you will understand why you are going through what you are going through and then you will understand the ways of the lord if we understand what can happen in the in between period may we most likely will not sow and therefore will not reap this is something that we have to understand why should i sow when i know that it's going to be difficult for that particular seed to grow and become fruitful what is the point of me putting in hard labor around the seed to make it grow and the seed is those who are given to you who are your responsibility in god and they can be very 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 difficult and they are there for a reason so most people give up and they say come be bored i tried one year i tried two years it didn't work i'm out of here not realizing that there's a harvest to come out of this and so we forget that a fruit tree doesn't produce its fruit by the moment you plant a seed we expect that in our lives but we don't understand the ways of the lord i want to i'm going to jump ahead a little bit and i'm going to ask you this question how long did it take god to receive the fruit that is you think about it how long did god have to wait patiently for the fruit that is you can anyone tell me you're not allowed to answer <laughs> anyone may be able to tell me how long did god have to wait for you the fruit when he planted the seed straight away yeah. straight away somebody said well he planted the seed jesus 2000 years ago you came 2000 years later so he didn't receive it immediately he waited people ask why does god wait 6000 years for the earth to do what it's doing and all the rubbish that's going on because god knows who are his fruit and he has to wait for them thousands of years have passed and after that you come and you're born upon this earth and then he waits another few years before you realize that Jesus Christ is lord and accept him as lord and savior 
It is then that you realize the prophetic has entered you through the seed called Jesus. And now you begin to understand who you are and why you are here upon this earth, why you have been placed in the body of Christ, why you are a finger or an eye or a toe or a tongue or something that God has called you to be. And guess who is after the seed? Mm-hmm. Who is after the seed? The devil, of course. There is also a time not to sow a seed. And you should know when not to sow a seed. Otherwise you cast your pearls before swine. And they will be wasted. And you will be accountable for casting your pearls before swine because those pearls were given to you by God. And you did not discern when to sow and when not to sow. You think everybody needs a, a seed? No. You need to stop and think. On Friday night, I was teaching Mumbai and I just logged on at 9.15. And while I was, you know, working out how to set it all up, this girl from Mumbai came on Zoom. And she was watching me for about three to four minutes. And I immediately sensed something in the spirit, but I just said, just be quiet. And I kept on doing what I had to do. She was the only one on. And finally, she spoke to me and she said, can you pray for me? And I said, why? And she said, because uh, blah, blah, blah. And, and she was beating around the bush as people usually do. And I said, look, what's the problem? So she said, oh, I've been asked to leave the house and, 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 and I'm having this affair with this man who's not a Christian, he's a Hindu and uh, anyway, I'm bringing him to the church and that a pastor, I said, what did the pastor say? He said, well, he didn't really respond a lot, but, you know, I need prayer. I'm fasting right now. I'm fasting right now about this situation. So I said to her, you broke the commandments of God. You broke the commandments of God. And secondly, you have disobeyed your parents. And thirdly, you have not repented. So I can't pray for you. Why should I pray for her when she has not repented? If at all anything, I'll pray that she repents first. Or that the goodness of God brings her to repentance. So you have to understand when to sow, because otherwise you're going to say, don't worry about Everything is going to be all right. God loves you. You know, you'll make it. Blah, blah, blah. And we've heard this a thousand times. Please don't do that. You are not the judge and jury over a person. You cannot offer them condolences and consolation for their sin. It is not your position. And you will be held responsible by God for that. The parable of the sower tells us that he sowed in four soils, but only three, only one produced fruit, the other three did not. For some time they stayed there and they looked like they were producing fruit, but they did not end up with any fruit. There was only one 
soil that produced 30, 60, 100 fold as God gave it increase. We must understand this teaching because it speaks of the four conditions of our heart. It speaks of the four conditions of sowing and reaping. And what happens when you use the word of God, which is the seed of God, and you disperse it into the atmosphere. If you do it incorrectly, it will fall in ways that, in places that it does not produce. And that's why you do not see any change to the person that you are ministering to. That is one reason. But the other reasons are that when you minister the seed, it falls on hard ground or it falls in thorny bushes or it falls to the wayside and Satan takes away the seed. There's nothing wrong with the seed. You had the seed, you sowed the seed, but it did not go to the extent that it should go because in the in-between period, between sowing the seed and reaping the harvest, the devil got it. And he came in and he started mucking around with what you were doing in the spiritual. He came with his force and he destroyed that seed. And you've got to understand that you have an enemy who is a number one enemy of Jesus. You are only his second enemy. His first enemy is Jesus. So he wants to destroy the seed that is Jesus in you so that you will never become a fruit. You will never come to harvest. So along the way he brings trials and tribulations that shake your boat and put you in storms and difficulties. And the most intensive warfare that you have ever gone through goes, begins to happen in that in-between period. The most intensive warfare. You've never experienced anything like that. And you say, God, what's going on? I love you. I worship you. I believe in your promises. But why am I going through this? My question always to God has been, how does the tender plant grow in the forest? He said, why? That's an easy one, Noble. He said, look at the forest. What do you see? I said, I see trees going sky high. He said, well, they were all tender plants once. They were all tender plants once. So they made it to harvest. Because I watched over them. And I performed the work over my word to bring it to harvest. So sowing and a tender plant doesn't mean it won't make it. Because until and unless you understand that God is with you in the in-between period, you're going to give up on God. You're going to walk away and say, no, I, I need to find another solution. Do it in my own strength. What was the first temptation of Jesus in the wilderness? Anyone? Makes the stones into bread. Was that the temptation? Or was there something else hidden behind that? Forty days fasting, no food, no water, hungry. Hmm? Lust of the flesh. 
No. The real problem here was the temptation wasn't making stone into bread. The temptation was to do something in your own strength. He had the power to make bread out of stone. But the devil is a foolish person. Because he's talking to the bread of life. Why should he make bread? He is the bread of life. The temptation was, do something in your own strength. <clears throat> so in the in-between period, the temptation is, do something in your own strength to get yourself out of the trouble you are in. Don't go through this problem. Cry out to God, and you know, if he doesn't answer you, do it yourself. Hey. You're dealing with the devil, okay? He's a lot smarter than you and I. Let me tell you that. It is only the Holy Spirit in us that makes us smarter than him. And more powerful than him. And if you ignore the Holy Spirit in you, you are ignoring God. Why are you ignoring God? When he's talking to you and he says, watch it. This is the period you need to be extremely careful about. See, the devil doesn't stop at just attacking the tender plant. He attacks the plant till harvest time. So what he does is he comes and sows his own seed into the ground. And the wheat and the tares grow together. The reason for that is so that you can identify the tares that are amongst the wheat. Because when the tares come to full bloom, they turn black. Whereas wheat turns golden. So you have to wait till you see fruit that remains. Jesus said in John 15, I want fruit and fruit that remains. So this in-between period is to remove the fruit so that it doesn't remain. And Jesus can't have the fruit when he comes to the tree for it. This is my attitude. The two visions that oppose one another cannot walk together. Reason being, one will pull against the other and there will be no success out of that to go in any particular direction. When the early days, when I came here to pastor this church, we used to have prayer meetings and people would come and they would say, Lord, can we have a vision for this church? And I said, whoa, what's this prayer? Hang on a second. Why do we need a vision for this church when we already have a vision for this church? But they would pray like that. Lord, we need a vision for this church. So they told me that they did not accept the vision that God had given this church already. And so they did not agree. Because they had come with their own vision. They had come to take what was not theirs. And now they were undermining what was already established by God in this place 
so that they could establish what they wanted to establish. Until and unless all of us are equally yoked, we cannot proceed further. And God will wait till that time. When we become one, then he will move. He will not allow disunity and those manners of things to take place so that we fail further down the track. So you'd rather wait, wait on the Lord, and then you will have good success. Hallelujah. It is in this in-between time that spiritual warfare takes place with such ferocity that people don't make it. They don't make it. You may think that you are making it, but you have to stop and ask yourself, are you making it? Are you doing what God is asking you to do? Because of what is happening in this in-between period. Come with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1. One Timothy one eighteen to twenty. Now Paul is talking to his disciple Timothy. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that is the seed, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. So the moment you receive a prophecy, you receive a word, it becomes your weapon. It becomes your, your assurance, your sword. That's the sword of the Spirit. God said, God confirmed, therefore it shall happen no matter what takes place. So he says, do the warfare based on those prophecies that have gone before you. Then he goes on to say, holding faith and a good conscience, which some have put away concerning faith, having made shipwreck. What is a shipwreck? Total destruction. That's what a shipwreck is. Absolute destruction. So somebody got destroyed in their walk of faith, not having a good conscience, and he names those people. And he says, Of whom is Hymenius and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Paul takes a very strong executive decision to hand over these people to Satan. Why would he do that? If a pastor prayed and said, Lord, I hand over one of my flock to Satan, what is he trying to do? What does he mean? We have to stop and think about it before we do that. If you curse that person, you are handing that person over to Satan. If you put that person down in your mind and in your heart, you are handing them over to Satan. If you are unforgiving towards that person, you are handing that person over to Satan. He has now a legal right to enter your life and destroy the seed. You may have got halfway through. Well, so many people have built high skyscrapers only for it to fall. So we need to understand how and why we take decisions concerning another person, especially those who are close to us. 
husbands, wives, children, church members. We need to be very, very wise. Now let us go to John chapter 6, verse 66. We're talking about the in-between period when people don't make it. So we need to understand why people don't make it. John 6.66 That in spite of our preaching, in spite of our teaching, in spite of our love, in spite of our giving, they don't make it. Why? John 6.66 This is Jesus now having told his disciples and the that they must eat his flesh and drink his blood. And they found it hard. And in verse 66 it says, From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Wow. This is Jesus himself. Okay. This is Jesus himself. They've seen the miracles. They've seen the signs and the wonders. They know he's the son of God. And he has come to this earth. He's doing all these things. They know it. And because he made that statement, they no longer can walk with him anymore and they walk away. It is estimated that there were 500 who walked away. So Jesus did lose some people. Oh, hello. You're listening to me this morning. He was a seed sown. He should have saved the whole world, but he lost some people. Or did he? He said to his father, I have lost no one except the son of perdition. All whom you have given to me, I have kept. Except, now listen carefully, except the son of perdition. You decide which camp you belong to. Are you the child of God? Or are you the child of the devil? Then let's go to Acts chapter 5. I'm picking up the story here of Ananias and Sapphira. But a certain man named Ananias with, his, with Sapphira's wife sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not thine own power? In thine own power. Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost, and great fear came on all them that heard these things. What happened here? The man, Ananias, and his wife Sapphira came with a seed, a financial seed. They must have just been saved. The glories are pouring of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2 follows through. They see thousands getting saved. And they must have got saved in that glorious revival. The seed had been planted in them of Jesus. And now they were taking a seed of their own, bringing it to God. 
But along the way, they lied. They had said to God, we will give you 100%. But they lied and they brought only, let us say, 90%. And Peter, using the word of knowledge, discerning through the Holy Spirit, said, you have lied to the Holy Ghost. Now remember, he makes direct reference to the Holy Ghost, not Jesus, not Father God. Any sin will be forgiven you except the sin against the Holy Spirit. Be careful. How you interact with the Holy Spirit and what you say to Him and what He says to you, you better be listening. If you make a covenant, then keep it. And so we need to understand that some people don't make it. They die young. They die early. You have to stop and think, why? Because God has ordained 70 years for us. At the minimum. Thank God in this church we have people in their 80s. Near Dudley Jaya died at 96. A great testimony. So if they're dying at their 20s and uh, they're having heart attacks when they're 24 and all sorts of things are happening, you've got to stop and ask yourself, why? Some people are not making it. Whether they're saved or unsaved. Some marriages are not making it. Whether they're saved or unsaved. Some relationships are not making it. Whether they're saved or unsaved. So between the seed time and harvest, there comes a wilderness period as well that God ordains and God brings about. This is where the testing takes place. You say, oh God, what are you doing? And he says, well, I'm testing you. Let me see how good you are, whether I am going to get my fruit at the end of the day after I have tested you. Let us go to Luke chapter 13. Luke 13, verses 6 to 9. He spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? And he answered, said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit, well, and if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. So what do you think? Did the tree bear fruit? One year. That's all was given. One year. God gave this earth 6,000 years to bear fruit. It's coming to the end. And he's going to ask for the fruit. He's going to ask for the fruit. And if it's not there, he will destroy. He will not keep it going. So it's a wilderness spirit. The in-between period. The patience of God. Working with us. Teaching us. Being gracious. Being kind. 
being loving, coming and talking to us and telling us what we need to know about him and his ways and we're still not listening. We're going about doing stuff our own way and saying, you come to my plan, not me to you. He said, I sent you out into the wilderness to test you, to see if you will walk with me and keep my commandments. If you can be proven to be a person of humility and that you will understand that you do not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of my mouth. Three things. What is the most important thing in your life today? If it isn't the word of God, please make it the word of God. Because that's the seed. And it's working continuously, produce something. You know, Jews, the Jews died in the wilderness. They died. And Paul says that they, they were an example of what could happen to us. So God is showing us that. And God himself killed people in the wilderness. And I don't like when people go and tell others, you know, don't worry, mate, you just carry on, Jesus loves you. Instead of telling them the truth, Korah, in the Bible, challenged Moses in his leadership. And so Moses said, Lord, don't accept their offering. And he said, now today God will judge you. As to who is really operating as the leader of the Jewish people. And God came and he said, now separate Korah and his family. And then Moses was so bold, he said, that if today you die in an ordinary fashion, it won't be God. He said, you will die in an extraordinary fashion. And when Korah and his family and all his goods were separated, the earth opened up and swallowed them. Don't take it lightly. It is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I have been there. I know what it's like. So when God is looking for fruit, and we are, we are, he has given us the seed. It doesn't mean that automatically we are going to harvest and we are going to see a great harvest of people. You know in the early days when I became a Christian, one of the most common things that was spoken was revival. And so we were given this image of revival and I got caught up in this image of revival and pray for revival, pray for all the things that were supposed to take place and revival, 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 all the old revivals, you know, bringing it to the forefront in my thinking. And as time went by, I began to realize, hang on a second, I'm making a mistake here. God is always working. Revival is always happening. More than 200,000, uh, uh, 200 million Chinese have come to the Lord. Quietly. Indonesia, the most, the largest Muslim population in the world, quietly, they're getting saved. 
One man in America from Cyprus saving millions a year on the internet. Millions of Muslims quietly. Revival is happening. And whilst we're waiting for this huge outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we are doing nothing. We are not changing. We are simply coming, getting our ears tickled, getting filled with more and more knowledge. Till such time we are bursting with knowledge, but no fruit. And God is coming for fruit. Fruit that remains. Our struggle in our faith is great. Till we mature and understand that God is in the house and he makes the tree grow and bear fruit. Our job is to stay attached to the vine. Hallelujah. Stay attached to the vine. No matter what your situation is. Because God spoke a word over you. And the devil wants to take that word from you and throw it to the wayside. You see, I've come to the realization, now I don't kid myself anymore, that if I want a blessing from God, which is offered to me freely by my asking it comes, I have to fight for it to keep it. Not only to receive it, but to keep it. I have to fight. Because the devil is a thief. He comes to steal, kill and destroy. He wants to take everything away from you. Whatever God gives you. And so people are losing stuff. Lives. Families. Marriages. Children. All manners of things are being taken away from our, from our people. When we were up in the Perth last week, the husband was ready to walk away from the wife. And God brought us into that situation. That wife requested us that we come and visit the family. He said, if you had not come, I would have walked. They are from the Christian faith. All pastors. Both sides of the family, pastors. So I said, why? Do you want to throw this away? Because they can't get along with one another. Every blessing of God, your wife is a blessing, your child is a blessing, your house is a blessing, your car is a blessing, your finances in the bank are a blessing, your job is a blessing, you are a blessing. You have to fight I tell the devil, you are not going to touch my family or my finances or Calvary Assembly or anything pertaining to me that God has given because I will not allow you to do it. But that doesn't stop his attacks because I know what is the harvest. I know what the harvest is. 
It is invisible. You can't see it. Unless you see it in the spirit. I don't look at people. I look at what God said is the harvest. You know, people are losing their battles today. And people are winning their battles today. But the funny thing about this is that after winning a battle, they lose the war. Gideon was chosen by God to go into battle in a particular situation that was happening to Israel. But that guy did not understand that the choosing of the Lord was for him to remain, not lose it after he won the battle. And after he won the battle, he took the gold from the people and made an ephod. And the Bible says that Israel went a whoring after that ephod. He lost the war. We are not going to allow idols in our lives. Got to tear down the strongholds of idols, no matter what it is. Even what God gives can become an idol. Even God can become an idol. Do you know in India, God is an idol? Including Jesus Christ is an idol. They put a picture up of him and they worship the picture. They put a statue of him up and they worship the statue. He's an idol. He's not an idol. Thou shalt not make any image after me. We have to be very, very wise. Oh, they're losing the war. You see, the birds of the air, the insects, and other natural weather conditions are all deterrents to the fulfillment of harvest. These are demons. George gave me some apples the other day. They were really tasty. And I asked them about, man, they're making it somehow. The fruit of the tree, in spite of the insects, in spite of the weather, in spite of all the other things that go on, the birds of the air. So demons are coming amongst us to destroy us, to cause problems. But we are not, we are not discerning. We're saying it's the person, or this other thing is happening, because that person is that way, and this person is that way. But I see beyond the person and I see into the realm of the spirit and I see the spirit behind the person that is working against that person and against the church and against God and against his people. That is the spirit of Antichrist that is working amongst us. God wants us to wait on him and depend on him in every situation. In Habakkuk he says to him, Wait, the vision for the wait for the vision. It will come. It look like it's delayed. That in between period, God, you are not answering. The in between period. Wait. When the fruit comes, it is glorious. Say, God, you mean this is what you prepared for me? I was at a conference one time 
and I was hungry and thirsty for God and I went to this prophetic conference and the Spirit of God hit the place and I could just, I was under the anointing and I was sitting in, in the pew talking to somebody, another minister and his brother-in-law who was also a minister came up to me and he looked at me, he was a prophet and he said, I see you sitting at God's supper table and you are enjoying what is on it and all around you are your enemies gnashing their teeth and wondering how you came to this blessing. Do you see yourself there? Do you see yourself there? Or are you depleted? Are you broken? Are you destroyed? Are you not able to get up and even say a word against the devil so that he'll leave you and your family and your jobs and your finances alone? Has not God given you the power? You're waiting on God to do something. You should be doing something. You should be making it happen by the power of the Holy Spirit in you. <coughs> Finally, I want to end up with this. That without relationship, you and I are nothing. Without relationship, you and I are nothing. A pretend relationship gets you nowhere. It does not produce the fruit that God is looking for. So when I come into a relationship with my wife, she's a completely different person to me. Her relationship with me is based on the things that she feels and she knows and she understands and what God is making out of her as his food. How am I going to relate to 50 people in the church? Because you are all fruit having your own relationship with Christ. If it's 2,000 people, how am I going to relate to 2,000 people? If it's more than that, how am I going to relate to those people? I can only relate by attaching myself to the vine. And then I partake of the fellowship of the branches. Without the vine and my relationship with the vine, I cannot partake of my relationship with the branches. And that's why Jesus is saying, you must stay attached to the vine. Jesus is the answer that God has given us. Without relationship, many have lost their way in this time of waiting because they have lost sight of relationship. God has to be the central focus between seed time and harvest. Otherwise, it is a false harvest. If I come to God with 10,000 souls and I say, Lord, I've worked hard and I've brought you 10,000 souls. And he says, I don't know you. Get away from me. What am I to do? How am I going to feel? That somewhere along the way I missed it. I produced a false harvest. 
That is when you do not do the will of God in your life. What does it profit a man if he does miracles and is not known by the Lord? What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? Are you keeping your soul? Are you keeping your soul? He said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What if a man gives much for the kingdom and loses it along the way? What a waste. There was a man in India whom God chose. I've told you this story before. Mighty, mighty man of God. Before he even arrived at the stadium, miracle signs and wonders just happened. Everywhere he went, thousands and thousands of souls were getting saved. People were all up in excitement about this man and the anointing on this man. That everywhere he went, tens of thousands of souls were getting saved. And then one day, he woke up in the morning. And he said, Jesus is not Lord. If God is your Lord, and if your Lord is your God, you are a blessed person. Don't live on gifts and talents and miracle signs and wonders. Live on relationship. Relate to God, and through God, relate to one another. First love God, then love your fellow man. Get rid of all the stuff that comes in between to stop the harvest. And then you shall function with power and the glory of God will be upon you. Hallelujah. One of the biggest things is today's problem is gifts and talents. And man-made knowledge. Useless. It's all wasted. I don't listen to anything anymore. As far as people are concerned. I listen to the Holy Spirit. And no matter how difficult it is. I have to bow my knees to him and say, okay, Lord, I will do it because you say it. Not because I like it. But because you say it. Because you are my Lord. And then I will start to like what he told me to do. Start to love what I could not love before. God is in the house. We need to honor Him. We need to give Him all the glory, the honor, and the praise that He has brought us thus far. Think back on your life when you first became a Christian and where you are today and how much you have fallen away and how much you have walked with Jesus. Coming to church is not walking with Jesus. You have to walk with Jesus. Hallelujah. Shall we pray? Lord, we just give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise as you work a work in us. That we ourselves will be able to see what it is that you are doing and we will marvel that you would consider us in a time such as this, that you would make us to be 
like you. That you would offer a relationship with you that is valuable and eternal. And that produces fruit for your glory, Master. We lift you up. We honor you in this church. We bless you. We praise you. We give you thanks for who you are. From the bottom of our hearts, we thank you for what you are doing in Calvary Assembly. And we bless your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Maybe this morning you need...